Welcome to the Friday Fraudster Podcast with Kelly Paxton, pink collar crime expert, Joe Irvin, your person for all things ethics, and Robert Barry, the guy who helps you ask better questions. Join them as they discuss sad, funny, and sometimes disturbing fraud stories. Be sure to catch past episodes on your favorite podcasting platform or go to www.fridayfraudster.com and grab some CPE while you're there. Ooh. Hey, what's happening, guys? Okay, we got to give a huge shout out for the hat. I did not have <laughs> one. That is so amazing. Thank you. I wear it every year, once a year, <laughs> but every year I enjoy it so much. And, and Joe did send me a few selfies of her dressed up with the St. Patrick's Day stuff. So I needed to fill that gap since I'm filling some big shoes. <laughs> All right. So for those just listening, who can't see the visual. Welcome to episode number 99 of the Friday Froster. Boy, did she keep the books. Now, for those of you who can't see, we have a special guest today. Joe is not here. Joe, You know what? Joe decided that spending St. Patrick's Day with her family was more important than spending time with us. Yeah, very sad. <laughs> it's pretty Priority. sad. I'll say she made the right decision. Yeah. But we have our special guest. Now, special guest, who, who are you? Hello, I'm Elizabeth McDowell. Uh, I have recently founded the firm Audit Forward, which is an internal audit consulting firm focused on credit unions. Um, but I have been in the internal audit industry for close to 20 years at this point. Credit unions, eh? So I, I guess we could say that you've seen a lot of green in your career. Yep. <laughs> A lot of green. Very nice. Yes. You didn't know you were going to get a like a free um, a, a comedy free, show. Uh, comedy show. Yes. Yeah. Tip your waitresses. No, I didn't say. Yeah, I was right. I didn't say it was going to be quality comedy. Now. <laughs> oh my God! Who's using Chat GPT to write jokes? Oh, I'm using it for everything. You're using it right now, aren't you? Exactly. <laughs> Do you think I'm this witty? No. <laughs> so I actually have never used ChatGPT. However, um, my friend, Brittany, uh, who, Robert, I think you met her at a conference, Brittany McKinley, yeah. um, actually helped me come up with my business name, Audit Forward, by putting everything into ChatGPT. And it came out with that suggestion and the domain was available. Um, and, but it's kind of funny because I've never actually used it myself, which makes me sound like really old and outdated. So maybe I should change that. You know what? I didn't expect this to go to chat GPT, but let me let me make a special <laughs> announcement right here since we're talking about chat GPT. Now, if you go to my website, you'll see a few articles that I've written about chat GPT and the risk that it poses for auditors. But now here's what I'm going to do since we've talked about the risk. I have a special training course that we are doing on how to use chat GPT to make your audits more efficient. Now, here's the thing. We're going to do that course on April the 3rd. If you want some information about it, email me. It is not free. I repeat, it is not free. So don't even ask me that. Look, it's two hours. And what we're going through is how to use chat GPT for planning, for field work, 
and for reporting all three phases of your audit project. I'm an avid user of it, and I think that it is great. So if you want to learn how it can help improve your audit processes, let's get to it. Kelly. Yes. I got a question for you. Uh-huh. Do you give money to charity? Oh, God. I'm, <laughs> I have to say I am not very good about that. Um, for, Way to put her on the spot. <laughs> oh, I do yeah. it all the time. <laughs> I, I'm not very good about that because, because of fraud, because of also like, I, I kind of require a lot of due diligence on the front end and then I kind of lose my juju. Um, but like, I know I need to be better. Let's just say that. I know I need to be better. And one interesting thing is it will be anonymous. I, I can't tie my name to it. I just, for, for fraud reasons. Yeah. So let me ask you guys listening in the chat. Do you give money to charity? Elizabeth, what about you? Do you do you give money to charity? Uh, I do give money to charities, um, but I also try to give with my time. So I'm on the board of the local food bank. Um, so doing meetings every month and helping with the financials for that and just physically volunteering. We did an event with audit board actually uh, last week at my, uh, at Broomfield Fish, the food pantry that I volunteer with. And so that was exciting. So I try to both give in time and money. Yeah, I think, I think charity is important. And I think most charitable organizations have a good cause. And I think a lot of people, though, want to make sure that their money is being spent on whatever it is that they've donated the money to. Right? And so I was reading, I remember a few years ago, I started looking at statistics. And I saw some stat that said only about 10% of the funds made it to whatever cause the charity was 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 supporting and that you know anywhere from 80 to 90 percent of money was spent on administrative overhead stuff that's incredibly high uh you know i think there's a lot of pressure in the industry to show how much money goes directly um so for an example the organization that i'm on the board for uh uses this the statistic that 95 cents out of every dollar goes directly to the organization, but that's actually really hard to maintain too, because you have to pay people to to retain them and uh, you do have overhead. So it's a balance of how much do you spend? Yeah. And I think nowadays, thankfully, there's some websites that will show you how much is spent and they'll do ratings and grades and rankings. So I think we're getting better and better at it. Uh, oh, I guess I should answer the question, too. You know, in the last several years, I've not given money to charity. Uh, I used to, but I really used to donate my time. Um, I used to volunteer at food banks and nursing homes. Playing bingo with old people is a whole lot of fun. I mean, it really, and I'm not being sarcastic. It really is because you never know what they're going to say. <laughs> like it, <laughs> when you're old and you don't care. <laughs> man do not care anymore yes, you know yes elizabeth brought this up and you just also mentioned this and i didn't say this the time thing i think is so incredibly important because yeah. our time's really really valuable 
But at the same time, I feel that we get back even more than we put in with our time. Yes. Agreed. 100%. I think the experiences that you get are just so valuable. And because I wasn't joking, I learned a lot from those old people. They would give you their experiences about life and just hearing them talk about, even hearing them talk about things like the Great Depression gave me some context and clarity when the 2008 crash happened. And even now I'm thinking back on some of the things that they said. Uh, like I remember this one old man, he always told me, he said, he would always say, spend time with people who count the most. Don't count your dollars, count your time. And I was like, oh, oh, wow, that's that's deep. Yeah. So money's yeah. replaceable. Time isn't. Yeah, you you yeah, <laughs> you got that right. So all right, so what are we talking about today? Ooh, today is a really interesting one because there's a charity in Texas that was started by Jim Collins, who was a, a former congressman. He died in 1989 after serving our country in Congress. Um, and I know we have a lot of jokes that we say about politicians, but really, I think that's, to a certain extent, a very important job that's oftentimes a thankless job because, I mean, you're, you're shaping or developing policy that shapes the nation. So Jim was a wealthy businessman. He left a lot of money to charity, a lot of money. They had the Collins American Capital Corporation and the International Family Investors LTD Charitable Fund. And unfortunately, around December, Barbara Chalmers, who was 74 years old, pled guilty mm, <clears throat> to bilking them out of a lot of money. I'm not going to even say how much money just yet. I just want to get your re reaction, Kelly and Elizabeth. What do you think about that? Robbing a charity. I think it's about as low as you can go. I'm sure there's somewhere lower, but um, an organization that is set up and designed to help people who are the most vulnerable and stealing from that is, it's pretty low. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately it happens so often. Yeah. <laughs> But the other thing is, like, she's 74, and, you know, I do this in my presentation, never too old to steal. Don't trust <laughs> Um, You know, so if you're going to have this sort of idea of a bad guy, Barbara Chalmers probably doesn't look like a bad guy, and you're not going to cross the street when you see her, because, yep. you know, she is probably very respected. You know, I know you're going to get into it more Rob, but what she did with the money was put it into a construction business that she owned. And I think that is so strange. I'm like, if, if I were going to steal money, I don't think I'd start a construction business because that's a lot of work <laughs> that she's doing. And it makes no sense to me that she would steal this much um, to fund a construction business. That is crazy. So the question that I'm asking for, for the audience, what do you think about someone who steals from a charity? But listen, Bob Wessler is here again, always with the good stuff. And here's a joke. He says, what do you call a diseased Irish criminal? <laughs> a leprechaun. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Why? <laughs> <clears throat> okay, I'll stop. 
<clears throat> stop. Um, why do people wear shamrocks on St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> because real rocks are too heavy. <laughs> shamrocks. <laughs> Took a second. Anybody remember the Sham Wow? You remember that commercial? Yes. With, uh, the little <laughs> the Sham Wow. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay. So so now, back to our lady. She admitted that she began writing checks to herself in 2012. They're estimating that she wrote 175 checks that totaled more than $25 million. How? Well, you know, one of the things that stands out to me from that is those are some really big checks. She wasn't doing this a thousand bucks at a time. It, it's like hundred and I did the math. I don't remember, but like $160,000 average per check. Like that's massive. Yep. This is where I would want to see Benford's law run on the charity. <laughs> Like, absolutely. Were those outliers? What was the average check from the charity? I mean, I did some work for a charitable foundation in fall. And I did some due diligence beforehand to see how big of charitable foundation it was. And they give out big money. Mm. So 160 might not be if the average like donation is like 250, mm -hmm. 500, even 750, 750,000, 160 might not be a big deal for them. It, I would love to see, okay, Mark Negrini, come on, do the Benford's law on this. Yep. It would be fascinating. Well, now they're saying that she falsified paperwork that went to the tax preparers that would misstate the amount of cash on hand at year end. But of course she also had access to the checks access to the bank accounts, access to do the reconciliations. So she had full-fledged access to everything. So he, he, here's some of the red flags, though. She... Um, pink flags. Pink flags. She's a pink ooh, color. From you know what? You're right. <laughs> Those were definitely pink flags. Yes. Definitely. So let's, let's talk about how they actually caught this then. Let's talk about this. Because she had been doing it since 2012. And what they're saying is after Collins died, his wife took over the charity. So now my guess is this was a trusted employee that the wife just leaned on heavily. And it was not until after the wife died that descendants took over the charity and started questioning many of the transactions. When they started questioning the transactions, that is when the fraud scheme fell apart. So it reminded me of Kelly, trust is not a control. Mm -mm. Well, and then the other thing is like, I didn't have time to do this and maybe someone can quickly do this. I don't know how quickly it is, but like, what does the form 990 show for this charity? Yeah. Like, I tried to look for it and I couldn't find it. Oh, interesting. I, I, I see a version of like succession or I, I don't know. I see a dysfunctional family at the core of this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I think you 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 might be onto something there. 
because um because you got to think while the wife was in charge why didn't no one look or anyone look at the things that the family looked at after she passed i think she may have been the gatekeeper because she trusted this bookkeeper where was the governance where's the board where's the i mean even small nonprofit organizations should have controls in place around the access to the checking accounts and the checks and and the reconciliations and all of that well and did it start as like a small little nonprofit and it just grew so it was kind of like the board was very familial or just like it was more of a social thing to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen boards where it's socially like, right. you know, yeah. Just to put on your resume yeah. or yeah. chat. So yeah. now from what I've seen, they started with a lot of money because uh, uh, Collins was a, an extremely successful businessman. Mm -hmm. So he donated quite a large sum of money to the charity because he was passionate about the causes they gave money to schools and you know underprivileged cause uh persons and things like that so they had their hands in a lot of different things so it's part of fraud and pop culture that joe and i do sometimes together it just reminds me of like succession or like some of these tv shows or movies where the family is very dysfunctional and i i have no basis for that knowledge but um yeah. Yeah. So. Tone at the mm -hmm. top. It shows a PL BS and a list of documents, donations. What's uh, really yeah. interesting about this one is they're saying that all the family did was look at the bank statements after the wife passed away. They're saying it was just that simple. Well, and where were the accountants? Right. <laughs> even even not just the the annual audit. Where was the accountant for the monthly? I mean, I, maybe there weren't any monthly financials or any kind of reconciliation being done. From what maybe I read, she was it. Yeah. yeah. From what I read, she was it. Not good. Yeah. She even provide the, provided the tax accountant with false documentation. Trust but verify. Did they not? Like, I mean, this is like a small scale, but like, it's like one of the big four is not even calling up the banks to see what the actual balances are. And, and we saw that in Wirecard, didn't we? Yeah. And is it because we have this image of a 74-year-old woman who would never do something like that? Like, uh -huh. just... Never. We have bias, mm. implicit bias. Oh my God. I listened to a couple of great podcasts yesterday, two of them being about implicit bias on the hidden brain. Um, so good. I went to school yesterday. Well, now, now we're getting somewhere though. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere though, because even if they had done a background check on her, I don't think she had a pass. Cause normally what, what, what do we say? Do a background check on people. 
but I don't think they would have caught that with her. And she's been doing it since 2012. So she was probably a trusted employee. And because of that trust, she was able to get away with it. But like you just said, Kelly, what is our bias? We have a bias towards older people. We have a bias towards trusted employees. We have a bias towards people that we like. What are the chances, though, that she did this for the first time in her 60s? Like, that is such a huge leap to make. And, and like I said, it wasn't just a thousand bucks. This was, what, what did you say, 24 million? 29. So, 29. Robert, did you look and see what company, the name of the company that she was president of? I, I'm just going to, like, I didn't look, but I'm going to go husband, kid, there's some relation to that construction company that she was, yeah. That's where I was going with it, Kelly. Um, so I could not find the, the name of it. I found the name of it, but then I couldn't find it anywhere. So that was my guess with that amount of money, husband, son, boyfriend, construction company, it was going not so well. That money was used to prop it up or to help it fund payroll during times when, you know, because for some construction projects, you you wait a while before you actually get paid after you perform the work. So that was a big part of my guess, because I was thinking, why would a 60, because at that point she would have been 60. Why would a 60 something year old woman be interested in construction to the point where it's causing her a lot of stress? And that was a second job, not your primary job. <laughs> yeah, that, Maybe that even a seem... grandson. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Could have even been a grandson. Yeah. Yeah. Or Ooh, granddaughter. No, we we're, we're doing bias here, you guys. I said son, husband. Right. It could be a daughter, a female relation. See, absolutely it's a bias. Right. Construction. If we would have said beauty parlor, we would have said daughter, granddaughter. But these are our bias. Yep. Such a good point. Very good point. And, and that bias is what kept the family from discovering the fraud. I mean, if we're just being really honest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I haven't found the name of the construction company. That's one thing that I was looking for, because like you, Kelly, I'm thinking ownership of it must have been with someone else. Because there's no way you could do two full-time jobs. Like, this bookkeeping was her full-time job. So. It was W-O-E, Construction Inc. And she was the president. W-O-E. Whoa. Oh, my God. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know anything about articles. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I see it now. It's permanently, it's permanently closed, closed, according to. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, and, and it has a it has a LinkedIn profile too. Um, says it has kind of construction. Uh, is it like houses, big buildings, roads? Sorry, I'm not. I'm behind. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Um, oh, wow, they've got Tom some glass door ratings too. Ooh, <laughs> they've got 23 Google reviews. What yeah. kind of company has employees that do the following go to a very busy fuel station that also contains an eating area, leaving his pickup parked at a fuel pump while he is inside? Oh my God, you people. 
That was seven years ago. Um, oh, wow. Excellent company. Billy is my boss. Gary is good. Ryan is also good. A concrete saw blade falls off the truck and ruins my car. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so funny. This Yikes. is way funny. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, okay. I so see. It was concrete construction. construction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know who should take take it over is Cheryl Obermiller. You know what? She'll turn she that thing able... into the green so quick your head would spin. <laughs> so they had about 26 employees that were on LinkedIn at one point in time. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Especially yeah. for that kind of company to be on LinkedIn. Yeah, oh, I mean, it, wow. so it... it yeah. Wow. <laughs> Oh, you know what woe stands for, you guys? Woman of embezzlement. <laughs> you just told me that? <laughs> I've made Oh my goodness. Rob but, but you know the, the 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 question really does become though, in all seriousness, if she started it in 2012, the embezzling how long was the company possibly not doing great? And and did she spend it on other things that the investigators just hadn't found out about yet? Like where where are the trips to Disney? Because usually our people go to Disney, right? Right. Um. So that that's a that's a real odd one. Yeah. And somebody's saying, Elizabeth, you touched on an interesting point. Some nonprofit board members are just there for show and don't add to the organization's governance. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's something that when we're interviewing prospective board members, we emphasize like we don't really want you here if you're just here to put it on your resume or to look good um, to the community. We're, we're right. here to get our hands dirty and really help out. One hundred percent. You know what I'm going to do? I'm so excited. So it gives the trial attorneys. I want to see if maybe eventually we can get them on both of our podcasts. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, that would be fun. Oh, speaking of both of our podcasts, should we <laughs> tell people? Should we tell people the 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 surprise guest that we're gonna have for for episode one hundred? Yeah. Okay, you guys. All right. So you know, episode one hundred is coming up. It won't be this Friday coming up because we're gonna do a repeat this Friday. I I have something to do. Anyway. Um, but next Friday for the 100th episode, we are going to have one of the young ladies that was on the Tinder Swindler. Yeah. And she's going to be on Fraudish too. But like, and she's going to be on Kelly's podcast, Fraudish as well. Isn't that going to be fun? It's going to be a blast. <laughs> Very exciting. Stay tuned. Because just come with all your questions. I mean, this is going to be really interesting. Because um, remember the episode where we covered that. We had a lot of us had a lot of things to say. So, hmm, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So while we're here and we have your attention to you guys, Audit Bites, my podcast on auditing. We got an episode coming up Monday. Monday is going to be a very interesting episode. Monday, I'm going to talk about why you can't find and or keep good internal auditing staff. 
I'm going to make some of you mad with some of the reasons that I give, but eh, it is what it is. It's it's hard to both find and keep good people who are really wanting to make things better and not just check the box and do the same thing over and over. Yeah, if you just want to check the box, do socks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But yes, true. <laughs> Very much so true. All right. So so episode number 99, she she really kept the books and, and the money. She kept all the green to herself. You know what? That would have been good for St. Patty's Day, her keeping the green. Should have done a green joke. Darn it. Um, <laughs> Chat GPT, give us a good St. Patrick's Day joke. Exactly. You know what? I think I may actually have Chat GPT open right now. I was I was really serious when I said it is a tool that you should use because it can be used for good or bad. And if you use it for good, then um, you know, St. Patrick's Day joke. So you Let's know what was it. interesting? I was listening to Pivot today on my walk, and they were talking about Chat GPT. And you know, we know about it, but if I were to ask my friends about chat GPT, their eyes would glaze over. Like it's, it's kind of fascinating because like I put in who talks on pink color crime last night and I knew everyone, but the last person and I Googled, I can't even find the last person online. And it was like, it was three professors and me. I was like, so excited that I actually showed up. Like I was the bot. I wasn't the very bottom. There was another person below me, but I can't find him. Ooh, so here's what chat GPT says. So <laughs> why don't you iron a four-leaf clover? Why don't you iron a four-leaf clover? I have no idea. And I'm Irish. Because you don't want to press your luck. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I love corny jokes. That's a dad. That show. was actually a good one, but no, I, I, I think, I think that it is a really good tool. They actually have uh, version 4.0 out now, and this thing is kind of crazy too. Um, I, I think that if you use it appropriately, you can cut down your time on doing certain things. It's not the end all be all. I wouldn't copy paste, but it does give you some really good ideas on um like I, i've got i've got another book that i'm writing and i was trying to think of a catchy title went to chat gpt combined five different things that it gave me and it was like oh this is it so it didn't give me the book title but it gave me several suggestions where i was able to you know put some things together so you know oh uh, thank you clarence clarence says a great topic and you won't miss monday's show clarence i'm gonna make a few people mad man just be prepared Make them mad. That's it's love it. It is what it is. They yeah. love you. They hate you. No money in the middle. Right. Well, you know the thing. The thing is, I think uh, some people sometimes our profession we're we're too um, we're too soft on certain things, and then other things we aren't as objective as we need to be. We have these opinions that we push down on people without even understanding things first. And that makes us look like buttholes. And who wants to work with a butthole? I mean, really. 
And, and you know, so so I'm going to do a couple of real life examples. I'm going to pull some things <clears throat> off of the Internet and really talk about this. These are things that we do that are very destructive, that prevent us from being the best that we can be. And I'll say, like I always say, it's not done to, to make somebody mad or to make them look stupid. It's done really to be constructive. And if you can't handle constructive criticism, then something's wrong with you. I had difficulty for a long time uh, accepting criticism, uh, even constructive criticism. But I've learned that it's the only way you get better. It's the only way you grow. Well, I think what's odd with us auditors is we give it all the time. So why in the heck can't we be good at receiving it? That doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> I at, when I was at Fidelity Investments, I was on the quality assurance team. And so I would review the, the, the audits and provide feedback. And auditors, including myself, when I was QA'd, are the absolute worst at receiving it. And it is so ironic because that's what we do to people every day is get feedback and we accept, expect them to not be too cranky about it. Um, but then receiving feedback ourselves can be difficult. Yeah. Well, and I think too, I think we have to reframe, we're going off on a whole nother topic, but I think we have to reframe the way that we think about feedback because, so like, for example, you all know that I'm a trainer and, and normally my results from conferences are extremely good. Like you get these ratings one through five and I'm usually sitting at like 4.8 or something. But the one thing that I do is I go directly to the bad remark first, because there's usually one. There's always one. Because yeah. my thought is, if this thing has merit, then it can help me improve. Or the thing that they might be complaining about might be something that I don't want to improve upon. And that still helps me, too, because it lets me know that this person is not a part of my audience. And this is someone I don't need to try and cater to. Mm -hmm. So I don't look at it as, you know, you you hate me. I mean, heck, you you may dislike something that I've done or said. But I actually had somebody on LinkedIn recently come at me yelling, typing in all caps. And I was like, dang, is it really that serious? Like, I, OK, here's what was even more interesting about it. He actually agreed with what I said, but was telling me that he disagreed with what I said. Now, I thought that was real funny and it gets even better. It was a fellow auditor. And I was like, whoa, somebody's communication skills need a need, need a makeover. So anyway, Friday Froster, episode 99. She kept the books. She stole a whole lot of money from a charitable organization. From what I can tell, most of us here, we we dislike that. We don't like people stealing from charities. But Hopefully uh, they... nobody likes it. <laughs> okay, I have a quick question. Who's going to get sued based on this? Ooh, ooh. Ooh, that's a good question. The construction company? The no, I know where Kelly's going with this. Who's going to get sued? People are going to get sued. Board members might get sued. Yeah. If Guess who's going to win? Guess who's going to win? Attorneys. The lawyers? Yep. There's yeah. going to be lawsuits. Yeah. And did she have like fidelity coverage? Did they have fidelity coverage on her? 
Ooh. They didn't have this much money on her. I'm certain of it. Yeah. Um, so, so even though I said I want to reach out to the U.S. attorneys, they're not going to talk until she's fully sentenced. Yeah. That, that's actually one thing that I found surprising was I think the max sentence is 10 years. And I know that you guys are much more versed in fraud sentencing and all of that than I am. But I was like, oh, my God, for that much money, 10 years, that seems so short uh, for such a yeah. large amount yeah. of money. Well, and, and here's the other thing, too. 10 years is the maximum sentence. Right. What if she doesn't get the max? She's so important. Have... She's not getting the max. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. She really isn't. But but you actually have some criminals who actually weigh that. They they commit crimes that have sentences that aren't that long, and they stash away the money, and they come out with money. That's a good point. They, it, it's worth it to spend a few years in jail to end up with the money. That's assuming that you hide it well enough that it's not going to get found. True. And there's going to be forfeiture think... because there's equipment. The construction right. company had equipment. There's going to be forfeiture. There you go. On this one, they will get the money because it will be traced. I mean, it, it, this one, I don't think she actually tried to hide it. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe even the construction company's accountants will be sued. Yeah. So when you asked that question, there were a few thoughts that ran through my head. One, the board members. Two, the charity itself from the donors, because they're going to say that you did not carry out our wishes. Now, I think with oh. this charity, a majority of the money was based on the money that the, the, uh, uh, the congressman actually gave. So I think most of it was the family's money. But for anybody else who donated money after that, I think you might see them attempting to sue. Um, so I think, yeah, between the board members, any potential donors, it's probably fair game at this point. And to Kelly's point, the lawyers are going to ultimately win because that's just how this stuff works. They always get paid, don't they? Yes, they do. They always get paid. Yes. Hmm. Not that I know through personal experience or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go. I got St. Patrick's Day stuff to do. Yep. So thank you guys for joining us on episode number 99. We're going to see you on the next episode, which is episode 100. Let's celebrate 100 episodes. Y'all tell a friend about this podcast. Go out, give us some good reviews on the podcasting platforms. Tell all your friends on LinkedIn, YouTube, and anywhere else you have podcasts that are broadcast. See you next time. <laughs>